guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. This is Amber L. And today I am joined by the lovely Dana Monroe. You may recognize her face from the work she does with Black Rifle Coffee. Um, but she is such a big influence in the women's world. I am getting the women's world of hunting and self-reliance. Sorry. I am getting to know her really for the first time. I've been introduced to her by our team. And I think that the work she does is incredible. And we have some things coming up where we get to work together. And so we wanted to take this time to get to know each other better live with a studio audience. Why wouldn't people want to get to know each other that way? Um, and for all of you guys to get to know her too, as we move into some programs that we will be doing with her in the future. So Dana, welcome and let us hear all about what you're all about. So I love that you created your own segue into the hunting world and um, you were able to do, well, I'm sure you found moments where you were intimidated. I feel like that's the word that comes up a lot for women that I hear from is the intimidation factor. Um, hunting is kind of like ranching or farming where you have the legacy component right. and you, people feel so ill-equipped if they don't have that legacy factor involved in it. Um, but that, that can look so different and nuanced for so many people. Um, and so it's not a requirement, but people feel very threatened and very intimidated if they don't have that. And so you created that for yourself and now you want to create that for other women. And I think that that's incredible. Like, what did that, what did that look like for you? Like the main roadblocks you felt like you had to get through? Yeah. So when I first started getting into hunting, like, you know, like you said, I, I didn't grow up doing it. And I think I was in my mid twenties when I started hunting and, um, I really, I had no idea, you know, what to, how to even start. I didn't know how to apply for tags. I didn't know how to buy bonus points or even acquire a hunting license. And so, um, my dad did hunt, he, you know, he hunted. And so I looked to him for a lot of help for some of the basics, but I didn't live near him. Um, and his health kind of was heading into a direction where he wasn't really able to, to take me in the field. Um, and so I looked to friends and others, but, you know, being a female, some of my, my male friends, they were like, you know, I, I can't take you hunting because my wife would just not allow me to take, you know, a cute little 20 year old hunting with me, which like, I understood. Bring your wife. <laughs> Let her come I know. Too. <laughs> right. Right. But that was, that was a huge obstacle for me is just finding, cause I, I wanted to go with somebody that knew what they were doing so I could learn. Cause that's, you know, that's the best way that I learn is just kind of like, it, it just, um, hands-on, like that's, that's how I have to learn. And so I, you know, I, I scoured the internet for all of the information that I could, you know, could read. I read like everything you can read about hunting, but that only does so much. And it's, it's the application that I really struggled with in the beginning. Um, and just kind of found friends. I, I, in the process of this, I moved to Colorado and found some friends that, you know, let me tag along, along with them on hunting trips and, um, just kind of just learned everything I could from everybody I could and went out and spent as much time in the field as possible. Even if I wasn't the one hunting, even if I was tagging along, like I've learned so much from other people just being there. Just through observation for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I find the hunting world is a lot more inviting and inclusive than people give it credit for. 
Um, yeah. It really is. There's in certain instances. That's you know, right. I was about to say, obviously, <laughs> the pendulum swings both ways everywhere in life. And so, but the beauty of that in knowing that is that if you encounter somebody who has a pretentious attitude towards you and their ego is getting in the way of you being able to learn anything or you're feeling shame at all in being a new learner. We all are new learners at something at some point, right? It's the only way you mm -hmm. ever get to that next level of knowledge. Then just know and have faith that there's somebody out there very close by, most likely, who's <laughs> going to be the opposite of that and who's going to be very welcoming and very inviting. And I did grow up hunting. I live in rural Southern Louisiana. Like the, our state is literally called Sportsman's Paradise. And so we would go duck hunting before we would go to school. It was just part of your life. Um, and so it was, I, I, I grew up with that. Um, however, the dynamic of hunting, and I've spoke, I spoke about this a lot in the fall whenever we did the Art of the Hunt series, shifted for me as a young adult. So I started having babies and I wasn't hunting as much because it wasn't something that I sought out to do as a, a passion, kind of like you, you actively wanted to do it and pursued it. For me, it was just part of my childhood and part of my adolescence. Mm -hmm. So when I became an adult, it became easy to be the one to stay home with the babies. And then as I moved into, you know, later in my twenties and into my thirties, the desire to reignite that passion in a way that was um, very authentic to what, to me and my desires as an adult, um, made me pursue hunting, but it felt like a completely new experience because some of the skill sets were still there, right? So you just, a lot of that's like riding a bike. You don't ever forget some of those, some of those different things, especially the safety components, thankfully. Um, yeah. but the other parts feel very different. It's like, you're coming at it from a completely different angle. And so I try to say that when I'm speaking to women a lot who say, you know, I never had the opportunity to grow up. I never had a dad or an uncle or a brother or anybody that was into this. Like, well, a lot of this feels new to me too, even though I did have those experience. I, I, you know, I can pull out the photo album of me at 14 with my buck and my first buck and all of those different things. It looks like, oh my gosh, this girl's been hunting for forever, but it it can feel completely different and you can transition into being a learner again, regardless of where you're, where you came from. So got really off on a tangent on that one, but I, I feel like my passion lies where yours lie a lot in that you just want to open your arms as wide as you can and say, you're all capable and you're all invited. Let's build yes. our own table. Like if you can't find a table to sit at, let's build our own, you know? Yes, exactly. And that's my, you know, that's my thought on everything is, I, you know, I see all these women that, that get into hunting that like, you know, with their partner, with their spouse, whatever. And that's great. Like, it's a great thing to, you know, to, to spend quality time with your significant other, but not everybody has that. And, um, and it's really important to give women an avenue and a safe place. And I think it's, it's, you know, we do have some males come in and, and teach, but it's, it's more of a safe space learning from women and women also, we think differently and we, we process differently than men. And so mm -hmm. if, if they're trying to teach you something, especially like a spouse, it's, it's really bad to try and learn something from a spouse. Like you just, I've, I've seen it a, a lot mm -hmm. in like an archery shop setting. Cause I, you know, I spend a lot of time at archery shops, but 
sometimes it can get a little, it can turn into a negative experience when you're trying to learn from somebody very close to you. And so, you know, coming to a space, learning from other females and hearing about their experiences, like my experiences, I tell all of these women that show up, I'm like, look, I was you five years ago because I had no idea where to turn. And, you know, I've, I've got, I've kind of gained some footing within the space, but I'm still, I'm still a brand new learner myself. I'm still learning every single day and going out and and building my skill set every chance I can, because I know I'm not, I'm I'm not there yet. I there's, I've not reached that pinnacle of knowledge and I don't think I ever will, but I'm always striving to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the wisdom that comes with watching people that have done for you know, we spent a lot of time this fall, the kids and I up at deer camp in North Louisiana, which is where a lot of, a lot of the deer hunting happens in Louisiana. When you get up into, um, those white oaks and the thicker hardwoods down there in the, the bottoms. And so listening to the older men up there, just knowing exactly what it's going to look like and not even the older men, but the younger men who have grown up in the hunting world being them being able to look at everything everything environmental everything that's happening um in that whatever time span that is you know that two-day time span weather-wise humidity-wise like looking at the ground them going taking the kids out for walks in the woods and being able to look at different things happening um with the acorns and (laughs) just listening to their wisdom about oh you know this is it's not going to look this the way we want it to look until however many weeks from now because this has to happen and they're putting so much together that is just so second nature to them because they've grown up doing this they've literally been men and women of the woods you know and so watching my children start to glean that and my children start to notice the scrapes and the rubs and them explaining that to their friends and being like you know let's even I mean this sounds so crude but even my little boy being like let's pee here like we can pee here <laughs> when they're going around looking at where the the bucks have left their pheromones, you know, and, and for that to be just such a natural inclination for them and, and to have them re, re reiterate and re-express the processes that are happening in nature that most people are just blind to, um, or only see on TV has been really fun, but there's, yeah, that only comes with gleaning from other people and from your own experiences, from literally spending time in the woods, from knowing the acorns start to decompose at this point. And it's not until this point that the deer are actually going to be coming out. You know what I mean? Like there's so much to appreciate in the affinity for the processes that happen in nature that you start to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really like, and, and it's fun to, to just be in nature and, and kind of notice some of those nuances and it, it really um, comes into play, like where you're hunting too. Like I'm out West, you know, most of what I do is hiking up mountains and chasing animals on foot, but I do a lot of, um, tree stand hunting as well. And that's just a completely different ball game. And, you know, some people are comfortable doing one style, but not the other style. And it's, I just, I love it all. And each has my heart for a different reason, but I, I just love to be out in the woods and, learning all of those little things, you know, that that you hear all of these seasoned hunters talk about, you're like, oh, you know, like I heard this person say this during this thing. So you kind of like put them together once you're out there and and seeing these things for yourself. 
And it's much like culture. When you travel to a new place and you learn the new culture and the new geography of an area, hunting is the same way. It's, it is, it's different everywhere. And so you can be really great at hunting in one specific location or hunting one specific animal, but it's, it's culturing yourself to the natural world whenever you experience it somewhere else. I, I hunted whitetail does in Wyoming this fall. I have only hunted whitetail in Louisiana and Texas my whole life. <laughs> and yeah, that's a little all, different. <laughs> whitetails don't even naturally exist in Wyoming. They've followed <laughs> the riverbeds up there. And so after we finished the hunt, if I would have been hunting a mule deer, if I would have been hunting an antelope, a pronghorn, I would have gotten a dozen by the time I got to the whitetail doe. Like they were the hardest to find. They're yep. like the four leaf clover. And then when I finished the hunt, I said, those deer are wild. Like that was the only word I could think of. And they started laughing and they were like, yeah, that's actually how we describe them. They're wild. Like they behave so differently in the prairie than they do yeah. in the South, you know, like they've acclimated to their environment. They've probably watched how the other animals in that area, the muleys are behaving. And so a lot of their behavior has changed. and. It was, it was like wicked to watch and be like, is this the same deer? My dad was in there. I was like, is this the same deer? Is this the same deer? And this felt like a completely <laughs> different experience. But it's so fun to know that, you know, to be like, yeah. I can hunt whitetail, but then to have hunted them in two complete, completely different places geographically and know that their behavior is so different and the way you hunt them has to shift so drastically. Um, that was a really fun, that was a really fun experience. But I also love how you were talking about like becoming very in sync with the natural processes. And so as like being preparedness minded, zoomed out in the larger view, I feel like that hunting has helped overall helped my ability to be more situationally aware as a woman and then relating that to my children because training up my children is, is a huge part of the season of life I'm in and making sure that the example I set for them can translate and distill down into what they're learning. Um, and the lifestyle they're forging for themselves, but teaching them to be more in alignment with noticing the natural world around them in the woods and in a, in a stand, a deer stand, especially through this last fall, I've watched their situational awareness in the public setting really um, expand as well. Because when you are able to put your senses into play more than you normally do, you're relying more on that that your ears, you're relying more on your nose, you're relying more on your eyes to notice deviations from patterns of normalcy. Like that's literally situational awareness. Yeah. And so when you do that in the woods, it really, really expands your capabilities in your everyday life. And so there's so many benefits to hunting. See, it's not even just yeah. for sustainability and hobbies. <laughs> it's to increase your personal protection as well. Right, right. Because it's like, it almost takes that, you know, sitting, sitting with yourself and sitting, you know, sitting up on the side of a mountain or sitting in a tree stand for, <clears throat> for a few hours, but it, it makes you kind of like sit with yourself and think about things and, you know, think about whatever comes to mind. And not a lot of people can do that. There are some people that like literally cannot sit in a tree stand for four hours because they have to sit still and and sit with themselves and, and it's like, it's therapy also like nature is, is 100% therapy and it's my therapy. And if I, 
if I couldn't get out a, a few times every year, I would be a crazy person. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was younger, my mom would say, because my favorite thing was my daddy bringing me to my stand before the sun would rise, putting me in my stand and then he'd leave and go do wherever <laughs> he was. And my mom would be like, what do you do the whole time you sit there? And this was before cell phones, which still advocate, like <laughs> you need the cell phone to capture some good footage, but like, put it down. You're going to miss yes. everything. Yes. <laughs> um, that you're defeating the purpose of being in the stand when you do that. But um, my mom would be like, what do you do the whole time? And I was like, tell myself stories, <laughs> tell myself yeah. stories. I would pray I'd come up with novels. Like I go over things that I'd have. I don't know. It was a funny question to me because I was like, mm, I've never felt bored. Like, Right. All the best things are happening in my brain when I'm sitting in that deer stand. Exactly. Um, it's on, it's firing on all cylinders. <laughs> for sure. And yeah, it, it's, and then you can't, I, I love the beauty too, in that you can't account for what's going to happen. You never know what's going to step out of the tree. Right. You don't right. know at what angle they're stepping out of the trees, at what distance, you know, are you going to have a shot? And so how far you'll have to track it, if you'll have to track it at all. There's just so many different things and variables that you never get to choose. You're at the mercy of nature. And you just have to know that your training and your skill sets are going to match the level of challenge at whatever steps out because you you just have to be so sure in yourself and your ability to pivot and your ability to fluctuate and be flexible but also be rigid in the things that matter and i think that translates so beautifully into life too like when you walk oh, people yeah. through scripting your life how do you prepare for the unpreparable well you have to script your life you have to walk yourself through these situations and say okay if this were to happen what would i do you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What can I not account for? But what what can I be sure of in every situation? And that is that's public safety. You know, that's preparing your oh, yeah. and not just public safety, but your personal security in general. And so there's so much that translates and there's so many parallels between the two. And so yeah. I love seeing women express a curiosity in hunting. Much of me feels like a new hunter in my 30s because I'm experiencing it in a different way than I did in my teen years. And so I just like want to scream, join me, join me, you know, to all the women that say they're curious because I know the benefits of what it will translate to into their everyday life. And I know yeah. you do like, that's what you see on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so rewarding too. Like I, I was a part of a hunt. It's, it's um, this organization called Hunter Recruitment Project. And I, um, they did an all female um, hunt this, this fall. And I was a mentor for, for one of the girls and just seeing those women, you know, some of them were on their first hunt ever and taking their first animal ever. And the look on their faces, just this, the, the strength that it builds and it, I think it like, a, it kind of switches this, this thing in your mind and it, it, you know, it gives you the confidence to, to know that you can do that. And like, just the confidence that hunting brings and that, that it's brought into my life. It, you know, it, it shows me every day that I can do hard things because hunting is really hard and just my confidence in, in everything else has increased just because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So when you develop those skill sets, it definitely translates. It was that the Didi go on that hunt. Yeah. Yep. Didi okay. was there with us. Awesome. Uh, for yeah. those of you who don't know Didi, she's our COO. And so 
um, yeah, she did that hunt, I think, right on the tail end of, of us in Wyoming doing our yeah. whitetail hunts. Yeah. And she, awesome. she's just amazing. And it was so cool to just experience that with all those new hunters. And like, I, that just fuels my fire. I, I absolutely love seeing new hunters, you know, fall in love with hunting. And I think what I love too, is knowing that a lot of them probably showed up thinking that all of you experienced women would they would just want to scoff at somebody's new questions or inability to see things the way you see them as an experienced hunter whereas your mindset is always just like so thrilled to just watch somebody yeah. do this for the first time and so it's getting rid of that false narrative that I think so many people have in their heads that it's going to look a certain way they're going to look so experienced <laughs> and they're going to look and you're going to look so advanced and it's going to just be so such a shaming experience and it's not <laughs> at all yeah. um okay tell me about this woman's women's warrior hunt weekend that's coming up in january yes yeah, so this is our uh second uh women's hunt retreat that we're putting on the first one we had last year and it was just kind of our we just wanted to gauge, you know, what people wanted to learn, um, how long the certain instructional uh, blocks should last and and kind of how to program it. And Chris, Chris is a phenomenal, um, you know, kind of programmer, instructional person. She's just, she is just an incredible human. Uh, Chris Cook, we do it at her ranch. Um, and, and we were talking about it after the first one and we kind of decided to do, to have a certain, excuse me, a certain focus for each new camp that we do. And that first one was just kind of all around, like very basic, very general for all of the women. And we didn't want to do, you know, I'm a big bow hunter. That's, that's what I primarily do. Um, but we wanted, we didn't want to, you know, silo on like bow hunters versus people who rifle hunt or people who muzzleloader hunt, anything like that. Um, and this, this one that we're doing, um, in January is more of a survival focus. So we really wanted to, you know, to focus on the survival piece because uh, the, all of this survival knowledge really comes into play when you're out in the woods and, um, you know, it, it translates well to everyday life and hunting, you know, in the woods, which you kind of touched on. And I, I'm really excited to learn that too. Cause I, you know, I've been, trying to build my skill set on all of the the just the basic survival stuff um in addition to surviving out in the woods you know with very minimalist um items because that's what I'm doing quite often and you know if I happen to get hurt and happen to be alone I want to be able to survive as long as possible for somebody to you know come and find me or anything like that um and then later in the year, we're, we're going to do a more archery focused one. We're going to do kind of more an advanced archery one, which I'm, I'm very excited about because that's kind of my, my bread and butter. Um, but this one is very, you know, we have a lot of the basic hunting, basic hunting gear. Um, a lot of the items that, that can, you know, that I carry in my pack that could help save my life. If, you know, if shit hits the fan, I don't know if I could say that, <laughs> but um, you can say anything. Okay, perfect. I like that. Um, but I, I, I know that I still have so much to learn as well. And so I'm always trying to, you know, figure out what I can throw in my pack that may help in this other situation or just, 
just whatever can, you know, help propel me into with more knowledge. Yeah. So we, we as Fieldcraft are obviously going to, going to take part in this event just because there is a survival focus too. And so, um, I'm really excited. I'll be flying out to meet you guys, Southern California. We'll have a four hour block on the Saturday where we will talk all about survival and hunting. And so at first I was like, why do you guys want me to teach this? I'm not our survival expert. And (laughs) Rob was like, you are a female that lives preparedness. And that's what is going to be relatable. Not you going out to show them how to build seven kinds of fires, um, (laughs) but you just showing them that they are capable and this is what they need. And then this is how they go about these, these skill sets. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Yes, Um, exactly. So I'm, I'm really excited, but I think, I think what excites me the most is knowing that there's a program like this where women who, whether they are brand new and have never hunted before, or they feel like they are semi-skilled. I say this carefully, but I feel like most women, even if they're experienced hunters, would admit that they're not all inclusive when it comes to their knowledge and skill sets in hunting. So they may be really great at actually hunting, or they may, they may have the experience in hunting, but are they knowledgeable about gear selection and how to properly load out their gear? Are they knowledgeable about field dressing? Are they able to break down their own animal? Are they knowledgeable about processing? Are they knowledgeable about the survival components? And so I think, I think I can say this and say that we can all agree that there's not many people who can say that they're very competent at all of them. Yes, I agree. Unless it's their life, you know, or, or they've literally grown up doing it and that they were just taught all of these things from the start. And so for the most part, there's always something else to be learned. And I, from what I can see, I haven't experienced this course yet on my own. All I've done is heard about it um, and read about it. But it seems to me that that's what the point of this is, is to give people a buffet of all of the things that they need to be an independent, self-reliant, skilled hunter. Yeah. Huntress, whatever the term is that they want to use. Hunter. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) It like kills me. I'm like, is it just me that doesn't want to say that? Um, and to allow them to dabble, not to be made an expert overnight. I think that's people come into these programs and think they'll be an expert at everything, but no, it's to the point of self-reliance is to give you an insight into what that looks like and give you a, a beginner's, a basic course, a look at somebody who knows exactly how to do it. You're, you're involved in it. You're, you're physically carrying it out or asking questions you're watching. Um, and then to take that knowledge back and apply it into your own life and expand your skill sets in your own in your own life. And so that's what yeah. I see this course providing is a look at every facet that is necessary to be a self-reliant hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, you know, there are all of those different facets to hunting. Like, you know, even now I I kill a couple animals a year. I've I'm not extremely comfortable field dressing the animal like that's one aspect where I am perfectly comfortable by myself for every every step along the way besides field dressing like that's the one instance where 
I know I could do it myself. Um, but I, I would like a little bit of supervision, um, Mm -hmm. just for me. And, and it is, you know, the gear selection is big. And that's, I also, I, I went on a hunt with this uh, girl, a friend of mine has a nonprofit where, um, he rescues native women and kind of gives them, um, different avenues to, to build their lives on for, you know, self-sustainability. And he brought one of, uh, the, the ladies that he was working with on a hunt with, with me this year. And we went out and just being able to tell her like, you know, this is how I pack for this type of weather. And this is kind of how you layer for this type of weather. And, you know, because we'll be hiking, you don't want to have your big heavy coat on because you're going to get hot and sweaty and then you're going to get cold. And, um, we went, we packed in for a couple of days and not, you know, packing in and hunting with camp on your back is very intimidating for a lot of women. And it was very intimidating for me also. Um, but just knowing, you know, the certain gear that you need to pack and the stuff that you don't really need to pack is very important because, you know, it's, if you get into a a scary situation, if you don't have like a certain item that you really need, but you have all of these items, you know, extra coats, extra, I don't know, just, just weird things that you don't necessarily need in the back country, um, just knowledge on all fronts and, and even learning from new people, like, you know, even if you're an experienced hunter, maybe you didn't, they, this other person has one piece of gear that could, you know, that, that could help you in, in what you're doing. And just you're, I, I, I never want to be the type of person that thinks I know everything and that I can't learn something from somebody because everyone else has different experiences. So there's something I can learn from even a brand new hunter, you know, maybe their perspective or just, just something like everybody can teach me something. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I like, we were talking earlier about how, how there's such different geography. There's such different Mm -hmm. nuances animal state county region whatever you want to talk about (laughs) um we can split split it down 57 different ways you know um break it down sorry and so even if it's just one piece of information like you said from one person like adding that to your tool bag is so useful imagine how much more you know if you were able to learn one thing from somebody who had experience in something different than you a few times a year, you know, then over, over the course of your learning career, which never ends for us, um, as people who are constantly seeking information, like imagine the amount of knowledge and the amount of wisdom that you glean just from keeping your mind open to learning those new things from individuals and then passing that on to other people, even passing it just on to your family. Um, so I love the concept. I mean, it's the, it's kind of the concept that we envisioned when we created the um, program 62 that we're launching in January, which we'll have launched by the time this podcast goes live. <laughs> but 12 weeks online, introducing you to every aspect of nearly every aspect of preparedness. And I had somebody ask me online, they were like, why I love Fieldcraft, but why would I pay, you know, $1,200 for this course whenever I can, whenever you put out so much free content. 
it's like, well, to discredit that you can't learn all of this on your own or to say you could, couldn't learn all of this on your own would be a discredit to everything we stand for and claiming that you should be self-reliant. Like, yeah, absolutely. You could learn all of this on your own, probably right. using free content if you have the time and the resources and the competency to piece these things together. It just would take you a while. Yeah. And you'd have to sort through and weed through a lot of false information that you come across because anyone can post anything <laughs> on the internet. And people that are very charismatic do a really good job of sounding accurate. But oftentimes there may be some invalid statements that are made that could really affect your own competency. And so it's a compilation of all the knowledge that you would need broken down in a way that is easily managed and easy, easy to be learned and done so by subject matter experts holding you accountable. You actually have to do the implementation. That's the part that a lot of people fail to do. And like you were saying, you can read everything in the world about breaking down an animal and field dressing, but you don't actually learn it until you apply it. You get out there and you, you actually watch somebody do it. You get your hands on that animal. Right. And then you will learn as you do it over and over again, you learn. You, there are mistakes you will make that you will never make again after you make them. You have to make them in order to learn, you know? Right. And yeah. so it's the same with preparedness and with this survival course. And so I'm sure it's the same can be said about the things you teach at this hunting expo. It's an, I mean, this hunting retreat, it's an investment, of course, an investment of time and an investment of money. Um, is it things that these women couldn't learn if they sat down and tinkered away on the YouTube and watched all these videos and tuned into the hunting public every chance they could get. Of course, they'd learn it eventually, maybe, but would they ever right. be held accountable to apply it? It's a lot different when you watch it and you read about it than when you actually do it. Or do you put yourself, immerse yourself in this experience with people who can answer your questions, who have been there, who hold you accountable to actually doing these, translating these, what you're learning into what you're actually physically able to do. Um, and the takeaways yeah. that come from that are, invaluable and, and that's with everything like what are you willing to make a priority and show right. up for yourself with and there is so much to be said about putting yourself in the center of a community and allowing yourself to be part of an experience rather than just sitting at home tucking yourself away from the world and learning that way yeah and, and that can be hard in itself yeah. it's like like we had so many women who, who showed up at our first event and they were like, you know, I almost didn't come. They, they were like, I got on the road and, you know, thought about it and almost turned around. There were multiple women that said this to me. And I was like, I was like, yes, like I've been there. It's so scary. And it's so intimidating to just like, to take that first step and to go, you know, go to a retreat where you don't know anybody. And it's, it's terrifying. And I've done that. Like, and that's been a lot a lot of like my personal growth in the last few years is just doing things. I mean, I do things that scare me all the time. Like I'm scared in the woods every single time I go out, but it's also so rewarding. And so like, it builds me up and gives me that confidence, but it's like just taking that first step and like, just, just going to, you know, to a retreat where you don't know anybody, but could, you could learn so much and it, you know, it, it shortens the learning curve too. Like 
a lot of people complain about, will probably complain about the price to that course, but it's like, you know, you guys have taken the time to put together all of this information and put it together in one spot. So they don't have to go to multiple sources to find, you know, the, this good information, like vetted information from, from true subject matter experts. And that's what we're trying to create, you know, with our hunt uh, retreat as well. Yeah, I love that. And, and that's, I think that's a very common thing echoed among the women is, is their mind trying to talk themselves out themselves out of something new. It's like the cold plunges though. It's the exposure to controlled stress. And the more you do it and the more you get yourself outside of your comfort zone, guess what? It doesn't actually get easier. You just learn how to deal with it a little better. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Being uncomfortable is never really that much fun to begin with. And it doesn't get more fun as you go on it continues to be uncomfortable you just get a little better at managing the discomfort because you know what lies on the other side of that right right and so yeah our women's course that we had women show up who were terrified like talking them off of a ledge hyperventilating (laughs) did not want to hold a sim gun in their hand that's fine you don't have to but you signed up for this course so I think there's a part of you that wants to and then yeah they'd put, get themselves through a scenario and they'd have just a total breakdown, but a good one. It was like, it's almost dealing with a trauma, like a repressed trauma of the fear of evolving and the fear of making yourself appear vulnerable, you know, that came from somewhere. It came from somewhere, but right. Looking that in the face, let that fear in the face and saying, I'm going to do this anyway, is part of healing that, that trauma, allowing yourself to be vulnerable. It's okay. But it's such a gift when there's people like you and Chris who care so much about that and understand that because you're a woman, because you felt those same feelings to hold that space for these women and say, I know exactly how you're feeling. And I will be very gentle with that vulnerability in you. And it's all going to be okay. You know, that is such a safe haven of an experience for these women to, um, open themselves up to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really the, what makes the difference is, you know, creating that safe space for them to be vulnerable and, and sharing, you know, being vulnerable on our ends, like, you know, me sharing my experiences with all of them. And, um, you know, I, I want to be an open book and I think it, it makes them, it makes us a lot more relatable as, you know, instructors and, um, yeah, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not a, I, I am no expert in this. I just know what I've learned over the years. I want to be able to, to teach others and, you know, help them shorten the learning curve and just do what I can to create other hunters. Yeah. And for you to be able to say, look, the only difference between you and me is a little bit of time and consistency. Yeah. And if you're willing to put in the work, if you think that I am the picture of what you would like to aspire to, there's nothing stopping you from doing that except yourself. You know, you're the only one that could stand in your way of that. And so I think the transparency of that is very powerful for these women to experience and to, and to be part of what, how many women do you guys expect at the, are y'all expecting? Um, I think we have uh, right around 40 right now. 
Um, and I think, I think we still have a couple spots left, but we're uh, right or plus or minus about 40. That's awesome. Or, and so from your experience last time, are these all brand new hunters or, or are these normally all over the map? It's just all over the map. We have some that, you know, have never even been in like a hunting scenario. And some, some women that showed up have, are, you know, are very successful hunters. They just, they typically hunt with their husbands and they want to, you know, they want to be self-sufficient and be able to go out on their own. But we had, we had a just ranging on every, every spot on the spectrum. And it was so cool because, you know, the other women that were there that were a little bit more experienced, they could offer their two cents into certain scenarios with, because it's, it's about finding what works for you. Right. You know, and, and maybe something that works for me won't work for the next woman, but maybe she makes a friend with another woman that has a little bit more experience. And, and, you know, I have lasting friendships from the first camp too. And just seeing all of the women that, that showed up, like I see pictures on Instagram of, of them being successful on their first hunts and, you know, hearing the feedback from them and lifelong friendships were formed during that hunt, uh, that hunt retreat as well. And that's a big part of it too, is, you know, kind of finding your tribe. So it's not just the the information aspect. It's also about finding other women that are Mm -hmm. interested in the things that you're interested in. And we actually had a a little zoom call with, um, with most of the participants and, and me and Chris and Nicole and one of the biggest uh, comments made from the returning women, uh, it was just about the tribe and it was mm-hmm. finding other women with, you know, the same desires. Cause we had some women were making the comment, like, I didn't know other women were interested in this type of thing. And so it's, I think there's, um, there's something to be said about, you know, finding other women that, that you can relate to because, you know, most women aren't into this kind of thing. And it's, it's always really cool when you can find others that, that you relate to that you can be friends with and just build knowledge and, you know, go to these different courses with, or, you know, sign up for your course or go to a class up at Fieldcraft. There's just so many, so many different options. And, and it's sometimes easier once you find a friend to do that stuff with. Oh yes, absolutely. And then the things we were talking about earlier, like, the things that you could look up online, you know, if you're looking for a new release for your bow and you really want to know what everybody's loving and using, um, rather than having to research this information, you have, okay, researching is important, but you've made connections with people who actively use these products. And so somebody would be like, Oh, Dana is an amazing bow hunter. Let me text her and see or message her and see what she's been loving or how she feels about the difference in a surprise release versus, you know what I mean? And so people can get, they make these connections and then they're so useful for so many things, you know, Mm -hmm. what broadheads are you using? Like, (laughs) I'm sure you get those questions all the time from people who yeah, shortens the learning curve for them when you can say, well, I had really terrible experiences with these. (laughs) Don't go with this. You need to use this. Yeah. And it's so different for women too. And especially um, like with, with archery, because all of the gear is so different, you know, with, I could go down a rabbit hole, but you know, we have shorter draw lengths and shoot less poundage. So we don't have as many options as the men. And if you're just shooting what your husband's shooting, it, it's not always going to work the same. And you know, that, that could ruin a hunt. 
sometimes you only get one shot. You're drawing your bow back once. If the equipment isn't best suited for you, that may, you know, that may ruin the hunt. And I want to give the women the knowledge, just these little nuances, you know, that, that their husband may not know. Right. Yeah. And you know, you may never agree with, you may not agree with other people and things, but at least you get their insight. Rob and I will never agree on calibers <laughs> that you should be using to shoot a deer with. We fight about it constantly. Um, but it's just, it's fun to be able to have those conversations. And like you said, you know how many men I've seen laugh at the fe- the female counterparts about the amount of poundage they're drawing back. And I'm like, do you not even know physiologically the difference between the upper body of men and women, you know? And so right. just even simple things like that. Um, there's a lot of ignorance and misinformation. So when you can be around other people who are like, I see you girl, I got you. <laughs> it, yeah. It can change the whole foundation upon which you grow that part of your life, which hopefully hunting could become a lifestyle and a part of a family culture or a, an individual's personal culture. And so it's so yeah. important that they do that from a solid foundation and a place of confidence and self-assurance. Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes all the difference in the world. I think. What are you looking most excited about in this year's like which instructors? I know you guys have people coming out to teach stop the bleed. Um, like basic yeah. hemorrhaging. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm most excited about field crafts portion. Stop I, it. No, I, I really am. <laughs> No, I, I love all of just the survival stuff and you can never, like, you can never know too much. You can never like sit through enough, um, like seminars or instructional classes. Like you can always learn something. So I'm, I'm really excited for all of that. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. I'm not nervous at all. (laughs) Me too. Me too. I, I, at our last retreat, I, I was an instructor on a couple different uh, parts and I was like, oh my gosh, like I was just a blubbering idiot. I hope that made sense. And my friend was like, oh my gosh, no, you did. You did so well. Like I was so impressed. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I didn't feel like, I felt like I was just, just a blubbering idiot the whole time, but somebody, somebody got something out of it. So I guess it's the I'm best we can it. do. Yeah. We're always our worst critics. Every speaking engagement I have, everything I do, I'm like, did I hit the high points I was looking to hit, you know? But I think, I think that's the double-edged sword of being so passionate about something is that you just don't want to be misunderstood. You love what mm-hmm. you do so much and you believe so deeply in every facet of that subject matter that it just breaks your heart to think that I wouldn't have come across somebody. And that sounds dramatic, but it is that dramatic. Like it would break your heart to think that it did not come across to somebody the way it needed to come across. And so I think it just all depends on how you posture yourself. And if you're coming from a place of true intention and authentic, an authentic desire for somebody else to learn instead of something to build yourself up and make you feel, um, you know, to stroke your ego, I guess, in a sense that completely changes the posture of your delivery and how they receive it. And so I think if we're just constantly checking ourselves and making sure that the way that we're teaching something and how we're delivering it is from that place that we genuinely want it to come from, that's all we can do, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. 
I'm sure every man that made it this far into the podcast is like, this was a very <laughs> sappy episode, but <laughs> it's good for them. <laughs> it is. We all have such emotional sides. Um, okay. So where can everybody find you? They would like to follow uh, you, follow along. I need to go follow you. Yes. Uh, so I'm on Instagram. It's Dana underscore Monroe and it's spelled a little different. It's D-A-Y-N-A. Um, okay. and that's, that's probably where I'm most active. And I mean, okay. I, all archery questions send them my way. You know, I'm not, I'm not an expert, but I've, I've put myself in situations where I've been able to learn a lot, you know, in a short time. So. All right. I I, I'm going to have to text you because that's my, that's yes. been my new goal. I've been shooting not a not my bow because I still haven't decided on a bow. So maybe you can help me decide on if I'm going to go Hoyt or Matthews. <laughs> seems to be the only two options at the moment. Um, so I've just been shooting like a borrowed bow that is not yeah. the right draw length. And, you know, I'm Ooh. double jointed. So I just have to be very careful about not hurting myself. And so it's yeah. been fun, but I'm ready to just get it fine tuned. Yeah. And it makes a huge difference. It makes it so much more fun to shoot when the equipment is actually like sized for you. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited for you to get a re- the right size bow. Cause you're going to have so much more fun. Me too. Even just, and it's an older bow. So like every time I draw back, I have to adjust the peep with my mouth to get it right. <laughs> Cause it's not glued correctly anymore. I listen, I'm telling you by the time I get the right bow, it's going to feel like butter because I've been doing yes. it. <laughs> the hardest backwards way I've gone to a few bow shops just to try some out um and even even the ones in the bow shop I'm like wow do you mean the peep stays put like (laughs) my life is changed um so yeah it will be but I'm I've been very careful about what I'm choosing my dad just got the new the new Matthews he would kill I don't know which one but the big exciting one yeah. Um, and so we've, we've always, always shot rifle and okay. So bow is new for us, but it's more, it's a challenge and it's yes. like, it gives yes, you more capabilities. Um, it's so much more yeah. fun. Like it, you're just, yeah. it's such a more intimate experience. Like you're, you have to get so much closer to the animal and it, it's just so much more fun. It's, it crushes your soul at times. I will say that it has, you know, crush my soul many many times as I'm hiking around with my bow mm-hmm. but, but it's even from so a, rewarding even from a preparedness standpoint too you know that we, we we gauge everything by a pace plan um which means you always have to have a primary and alternate a contingency and emergency and all of your plans so even if it were to be food procurement or self-defense like whatever it may be um in whatever catastrophic scenario you situate yourself in a rifle just is not, you can't have a period after the peak of the, like the rifle can't be the end all, you know, like right. that's dependent on your ability to, um, secure enough ammunition. And if you can't secure ammunition, then securing the components to make your own ammunition. And so you start moving yourself back down. And, and while a bow has very much modernized itself, it is still a bit more of a primitive way. And yeah, there's more, definitely more sustainability um, that can, be and you found. can reuse arrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can make your own, you can fashion yeah. your own arrows. 
So I, I really do love it. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've been around bow hunters for years. And so I know that their appreciation and dedication to the art of bow hunting is a real thing. And yes, I'm ready to just be, to have the fever. Yes. It's so fun. Like um, all my kids got bows for Christmas, the little bears. Oh, yeah. Well, it's my little, it's my little boy's like third bow because he gets a, a bit aggressive with him, but, um, they love it too. And I can't yeah. wait for them to all yeah. be little bow savages. And it's so great to do, you know, with your family too. You go, if you find a, like a 3d archery course, you know, go out Saturday morning and shoot some arrows with the family it's so much fun oh yeah it's, it's a very wholesome family activity also for sure we we like it my my older two are um left eye dominant but right oh so fun. that's been really fun <laughs> we have like a whole head turn around that I'm like guys okay we're just we're gonna figure this out but this is not yeah. working so that's been really fun to navigate too like showing them like there's no one size fits all solution. And we're going to figure out what's the easiest way yep. to manage this anomaly for <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Change right. your eye dominance is what we're going to do now. Just so, make them wear an eye patch. <laughs> I know. I, I just, I love when they tilt their whole head around the bow and you're like trying to turn their whole, and anyway, we're going to just be ambidextrous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's, it's a fun experience and I'm definitely excited to dive more into that. And so, um, I'm looking forward to that next step in my own hunting journey. Yeah. Well, I'd love to help you if you have any questions. I'm going to have a million. So <laughs> just be careful with that. We'll have a few dates together. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll chat. <laughs> that would be great. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, the questions I thought she was here to teach. I have my notebook. That's okay. No, it'll be good. Um, okay. So you guys all should definitely go give Dana a follow, especially if you resonate with her message. Do you create content? You create content for Black Rifle? Uh, not, I don't know. I wouldn't, I, not so much. I just, okay. I just live my life the way I do. <laughs> That's, I wouldn't label myself as much of a content creator. I just, I just, you know, live how I live and I put stuff out when I put stuff out. But they can, we can find your, your content on Black Rifles channels. Um, some of it. Yeah. Just mainly on yours. Yeah. Mainly on mine. Yeah. Okay. And then the website for the women's warrior hunt retreat. Um, oh, well, we will, we're that. actually Fieldcraft has tickets. And so oh, yeah, we will have the link in the show notes here where you can sign up Perfect. and as a reward that I is not actually a public code but if you are listening and have made it to the end of this podcast you can use the code amber1862 for $200 off of your ticket um and so you can follow that link and then in our actual um the sale page to buy your ticket on Fieldcraft's website will be the link I believe to the women's warrior hunt retreat if they wanted to see that on the julian ranch page i think it's on the page yeah for this. yeah it should be on the julian ranch the ranch and the ranch and this is the weekend of january 20th 21st and then on the 22nd you have the, the 3d archery experience yes yeah so if you're already a seasoned hunter or a male you know in the near julian um 
Southern California, there's a really epic archery shoot that is going to be happening on the 22nd. Um, and tickets can also be found on Julian's uh, web, the ranch Julian's website. So if you just want to come for a 3D shoot, you already know everything about hunting. Just come out for a fun shoot on Saturday. And that's like a miniature totally total archery challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard from Chris. She said some of the shops, some of the shots are pretty epic. So I'm really excited. (laughs) (laughs) Epic shots. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending the time to talk to us today. I think this is a conversation and a topic that um, might be more niched, but is definitely those conversations are important. And so I'm just really glad that we as a company can connect with other individuals who have the same mindset and have the same goals and the same desires. And obviously that's my job is to make sure that women feel empowered and feel like they have a voice and feel like they have a place. And, um, and I love that there's other people fighting for that, for these women in, in every facet of self-reliance. So thank you for being part of that team of people trying to empower other women Um, And I can't wait to meet you in person. Yes, same. I'm so excited. This will be so fun. All right, guys. Thank you. And we cannot wait to talk to you again next time. 